What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hello and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast, your go-to source for all things movies. I am your host, Movie Mike, a.k.a. Mike D, a.k.a. Mike Distro, a.k.a. your favorite film enthusiast, at least I hope. And today I want to break down the Oscar nominations and give you my predictions, my favorite time of the year. We'll talk about snubs and surprises. I'll give you a review of a movie nominated for Best Picture that you can watch on Netflix right now. In the trailer park, we'll talk about a new movie coming on to Netflix starring Ryan Reynolds. So much to talk about this week. So let's talk movies. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast. One man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. So every year, I love watching every single movie nominated for Best Picture, and I get not everybody has the time to do that. But I do a movie podcast. I want to know what the landscape of movies is every single year. And I think that's why I have come to love the Oscars so much. I know a lot of people hate them. And I want to talk about that first before I get into my predictions. I think the biggest criticism that comes with Oscar nominations is why do they always pick movies that nobody has seen? They don't pick things that kill it at the box office. They pick movies that a lot of the times when the Oscar nominations come out, you're like, I haven't seen a single one of those movies. And I want to explain why I think that is and why I think it's important. If they were just picking every big movie that came out in the last year, it would almost be a Marvel fest. It would be a lot of action movies. And I think in doing that, why I would love for, you know, movies that I go see with a bunch of people be nominated. I think what the Oscars are meant to do are represent something novel. And it also promotes people making new types of movies every single year, new stories or finding 
ways to depict characters that haven't been done before. Otherwise, I think you would see films starting to go on the decline and people making the same movies every single type of year, knowing that they would get nominated and win Oscars. So I think it is trying to hold film to a bit of a standard to where it's still an art form. People are still making movies that are something we haven't seen before or really trying to break the mold on what a movie could be. And I think when it comes to what ends up winning for best picture, that's usually a pretty good representation of film. And personally, I'm a person who will come on here and do a jackass review one week and the next week I'm talking about The Power of the Dog, which I'll talk about in the movie review this week. I also think it's important to have that range. What I really think should happen is they should nominate at least one popular movie, like the most popular movie, the movie that made the most at the box office the prior year. That should be an automatic number one seed in the Oscars for the best picture. I think that's what they need to do. Have that number one seed go to the highest grossing movie of the year before. That way, for the people who only saw that movie, you at least have one to root for. Because that's the hard thing about the Oscars, is why would you watch a show that you haven't seen a whole lot of movies or heard about? I think you need one pick for the people to get people more interested in watching the Oscars and really hold any kind of regard to it. But if you're like me and love the Oscars, love talking about these movies, love to go and watch all the movies. Once the nominations come out, you're in the right place today because I'm going to give you my insight based on seeing all these movies. And I do episodes like this every single year. I'm pretty good at picking the best picture. I'll be honest. I can just kind of feel it. I totally nailed No Man Land the year before and I'm feeling good going into 2022. So let's get into talking about the Oscars. Starting first with Best Picture, you have nominated this year Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. This is a pretty stacked category, especially now that they're allowing more movies to be nominated for Best Picture. A couple surprises in this category, I would have to say Don't Look Up, of all the movies I thought last year would get nominated i really didn't see don't look up being worthy of best picture and i think it's a little bit on the concept a little bit on all the actors involved and then you also have to think about who is voting on the oscars it's a lot of industry people and i feel like a movie like don't look up plays directly into that audience and since it was a netflix release just looking at the list here i think that's probably the one that the and from looking at this list, I think that's the movie that the most people have seen because it was on Netflix. Probably next would be Dune, which was also a high grossing movie last year. Didn't love that one. I knew it was going to be nominated just for the large scale of that sci-fi movie. And then maybe third would be King Richard of the movie most people have seen on an average basis. Now, I'll get into my full review of this later in the episode, so I don't want to fully give my review here. But I think the winner here is The Power of the Dog. And the reason why is because I feel it's the most novel out of every movie nominated here. It has excellent casting with Benedict Cumberbatch being the lead. It tells the story of a slice of life that I otherwise would have never investigated or been intrigued by in any way. And it's already racked up just so many awards, has so much critical acclaim going into it. I feel like I can easily see Power of the Dog dominating at the Oscars this year with Best Picture being one award that it's for sure going to win. So my vote for what will win Best Picture is The Power of the Dog, but I do think that King Richard is a close second. And I think if you had to watch one, 
only one movie nominated for Best Picture. I would recommend King Richard over The Power of the Dog. I liked The Power of the Dog, but I don't think the average person will watch that movie and love it. It's a very slow burn, and you have to pay attention so much while watching that movie. I really wouldn't recommend it. Again, I'll explain that fully in my review later. But if you just had to watch one Best Picture movie, I would still say King Richard, but I don't think it'll win here. Next category is Best Director. We have Kenneth Branagh, who directed Belfast, Ryusuke Yamaguchi, who directed Drive My Car, Paul Thomas Anderson, who directed Licorice Pizza, Jane Campion, who directed The Power of the Dog, and Steven Spielberg, who directed West Side Story. It's really hard to not bet on Steven Spielberg to win an Oscar. He is a legendary director, obviously, but I think at this point in his career, the guy has enough Oscars. I think he's good, and I think it's an easy thing to say that Steven Spielberg will win this, but West Side Story, not his strongest film. I think overall, the response of West Side Story was a little bit underwhelming, not only at the box office, but I felt like it didn't even get that much critical acclaim. I think when it comes to musicals, more people were talking about Tick, Tick, Boom than they were talking about West Side Story. So I don't think it goes to Spielberg here. I don't think it goes to Paul Thomas Anderson here either. And I'm still going with my prediction of the power of the dog just cleaning house at the Oscars this year. So I'm going with Jane Campion. And the reason why because I feel like so much of the reason that The Power of the Dog was a successful movie was the directing in that movie. Everything was very subtle, and it's just a really hard story to tell. And if it wasn't for the intricacy of Jane Campion in this movie and the attention to detail and the storytelling, like that story really wouldn't have had any kind of resonation with the viewer that I felt. And I believe that is entirely attributed to her directing this movie. So I'm going with Best Director, Jane Campion. Moving on to Best Lead Actor, Javier Bardem in Being the Ricardos, Benedict Cumberbatch in The Power of the Dog, Andrew Garfield in Tick, Tick, Boom, Will Smith in King Richard, and then Denzel Washington in The Tragedy of Macbeth. A very tough category. You have some very heavy names in this with Will Smith and Denzel Washington alone. It's hard to bet against any of them. But when breaking down what best lead actor and also what best lead actress is, it has to be such a stellar either depiction of a historical figure in history or somebody with such a gripping, powerful, inspiring performance that really carries the entire movie and most times I feel like a best lead actor or best lead actress almost transcend the movie they're in. You're going to remember these characters. You're going to remember these roles. And they will be the ones that people ask them about most in interviews, just the ones that you associate most with these actors. So, so considering that it's tough, and then you also have to remember again who is voting on this. You have people in the industry people who really pick apart acting and pick apart little subtleties that maybe we don't always realize or can pinpoint while we watch these movies. And I think it comes down to two people. I think it comes down to Benedict Cumberbatch and Will Smith. And this is a tough one because I feel in both of these movies, they really command the screen in the same way. They own their roles, really make both of those movies. And what Will Smith did in King Richard was 
an accurate description of a real life person bringing to life a character and bringing to life a story that we weren't really familiar with. And if you go back and look at what Richard Williams was really like in real life, you see how good of a job Will Smith really did in this movie. And then with Benedict Cumberbatch, I've never seen him make a bad movie, never seen him in a bad acting role. And it was so weird to watch this movie and at any point not associate him or think that I was watching Doctor Strange on screen. And that's a really tough thing to do, to be able to do Doctor Strange, be in a Marvel movie, and then come out and do a movie like that to where it's all in your raw acting You have no special effects, no CGI. Like, that's as just straight-up acting as you can get. And, you know, Will Smith has never won an Oscar. And that's what has me betting on him right now. And I almost feel if there was a movie for him to do it, like, this was it. He put his all in this role. To be honest, (laughs) I was almost... I had a different actor while starting this when I went through all my notes. And I think I've convinced myself... That I think it's going to be Will Smith here. I can almost just see that moment of him winning his first Oscar. Kind of in the same way Leonardo DiCaprio did it just, you know, five, six years ago. Winning for The Revenant for the first time. I think I see it here with Will Smith. I think it was such a good movie. And it was greatly due to him in that role. I mean, they paid him the most money. The movie was about their dad more than it was the Williams sisters. So I think out of all these movies how important the lead actor is, it's Will Smith and King Richard. So before this, I had Benedict Cumberbatch because I thought that was a harder role to do. But when you look at what had the most impactful performance and what will be most memorable and what I think people in the industry will really kind of focus in on, I think they have to give it to Will Smith here. So for best lead actor, I am going with Will Smith and King Richard. And for Best Lead Actress, you have Jessica Chastain in The Eyes of Tammy, Olivia Coleman in The Lost Daughter, Penelope Cruz in Parallel Mothers, Nicole Kidman in Being the Ricardos, and Kristen Stewart in Spencer. Another tough category. I loved Parallel Mothers. I'll wait probably later to do a review of that movie. Penelope Cruz was really good in that, but I don't think it was an Oscar-worthy performance. Olivia Coleman in The Lost Daughter... Olivia Coleman is like a underrated actress. She's almost like a hidden gem when it comes to watching really good movies. She's an actress who does constantly really good movies. One of my favorites being her in The Favorite. The Lost Daughter is also just a very interesting movie. And I thought she was really good in it. But again, I don't think that is an Oscar-worthy performance here. If it had to come down to two, I'm leaning towards Nicole Kidman and Being the Ricardos and Kristen Stewart and Spencer. Now, Kristen Stewart did a really good depiction of Princess Diana in this movie. And I didn't love Spencer as much as I thought I would. It's a very unique feeling movie. And I know they had to like focus in on a very specific part of Princess Diana's life. But I felt like the plot of that movie was a little bit confusing at times. It felt a little bit spacey. And the whole movie just felt like almost like a weird dream. It didn't really have a consistent flow of what I was going into expecting out of that movie. But that said, Kristen Stewart gave a really powerful performance in that movie, not only looking like Princess Diana, but also with the fashion. And she also showed a side of herself that I feel like more people are seeing now that I've been talking about for a while, that she is a really great actress when giving a powerful role like this and a very important role at that. 
I think she really comes through and transcends anything she ever did in Twilight, which also like Robert Pattinson, I feel like people just kind of typecast her as or just really only know her as that. She is so much more than that. And I think the Oscar nomination in itself is huge for her. Who I think should win is Nicole Kidman, though. Like, I thought she was so good as Lucille Ball to the point that I also forgot that I was watching Nicole Kidman. And I know there's not a whole lot of recorded footage that I've seen of just Lucy being Lucille Ball and not Lucy on the TV show. But I thought she did such a great job of going between the two, of being the real life person, but then also having the comedic side when they're showing the scenes from filming the TV show, like those felt like really great recreation. So she was doing a lot in that movie. I just don't know if being the Ricardos will have the same kind of weight at the Oscars that I feel like it should have. So if I had to put my money on one, I think because she is depicting a historical figure, because the movie is a little bit more artsy overall, And I feel like those movies tend to win. Those performances tend to win. So I think the winner here is going to be Kristen Stewart in Spencer. But me personally, I think Nicole Kidman should win and I hope I'm wrong. All right, we'll move through a couple of the other big categories. Best Supporting Actor, you have Kieran Hines in Belfast, Troy Kotzer in Coda, Jesse Plemons in The Power of the Dog, J.K. Simmons in Being the Ricardos, and Cody Smith-McPhee in Power of the Dog. So you have Power of the Dog here splitting the category between the two supporting actors. And I feel like those will cancel each other out. Of the two though, I think Cody Smith McPhee gave the better performance in that movie. So I would give him an edge over Jesse Plemons. Jesse Plemons must have the best agent in Hollywood because he is in every single big movie somehow. I think this one is pretty easy. I think it is Troy Kotzer in Coda, which I was kind of surprised got even nominated because out of all the movies nominated for Best Picture, I think that is the movie I liked the most effortlessly. Like, I wasn't watching that movie thinking I was watching an Oscar-worthy movie. It was just a good movie, and it's very rare that a movie like that gets nominated. I reviewed that movie when it came out because I honestly didn't think it would get nominated. And if you don't remember... CODA stands for Children of Deaf Adults, which the movie is about that. It's about this family. The parents are deaf. The brother is deaf. And the daughter is the only one who is not deaf. She loves music. So she's trying to pursue music while her family is really struggling with their fishing business. And it's about her struggles of deciding what to do after high school. And I loved her parents in this movie. I really thought they brought the comedic edge to that movie. They also brought the emotional factor of, you know, parents who really rely on their kids in this situation. And I thought they were fantastic in it. I thought the subject matter was an important movie to watch. So if you haven't seen Coda, it is on Apple TV Plus, a really great movie. And I think it's so cool that Troy made history becoming the first deaf male actor to be nominated for Best Supporting Actor. So for that reason, I think he needs to win. So my vote for Best Supporting Actor, who I think is going to win, is Troy Kotzer. On the other side, for Best Supporting Actress, you have Jesse Buckley in The Lost Daughter, Ariana DeBose in The West Side Story, Judi Dench in Belfast, Kirsten Dunst in The Power of the Dog, and Ajunu Ellis in King Richard. Another tough category here. Judy Dench, I think it's another hard one to bet your money against. I feel like Jesse Buckley had an underrated role 
in The Lost Daughter, a lot of the storytelling in that movie was due to her performance and portraying the younger version of Olivia Coleman. I thought she did a fantastic job in that. I almost thought like following her story in that movie was almost more entertaining than following Olivia Coleman's story at moments. I do think it was really cool to see Kirsten Dunst be nominated for her very first Oscar and the emotional journey that her character took in that movie, I feel like should really be recognized here. But I think with the stronger role overall in this category, I'm going with Ajinu Ellis in King Richard. She portrayed the mom of Venus and Serena Williams in a performance I thought was right up there with Will Smith without her in this movie and how important her chemistry with Will Smith was to the telling and the portrayal of the story in this movie. I don't think it would have been the same movie. So I think you get best actor and best supporting actress coming from King Richard. All right, we'll go a little bit quicker here through the last big categories I want to talk about. Best original screenplay, I think, goes to Don't Look Up from Adam McKay. Honorable mention with Licorice Pizza with it being such an interesting story. Still don't know how Paul Thomas Anderson got away with making that movie, to be honest. Best cinematography, I think, goes to Dune. While I wasn't the biggest fan of that movie, just the scope of the world that was created by Dune and how much work that really meant for that movie to be seen on the big screen, I think it easily has to go to Dune. I could almost make a case for The Power of the Dog because that cinematography in the movie really puts you in that situation. It really feels like you're in it with those characters, but I still think that Dune will pick up the Best Cinematography Oscar here. Best Animated Film easily goes to Encanto. I love The Mitchell and the Machines probably more than Encanto, but with all the hype around it right now, I think it's an easy win. Best Costume Design, Cruella should win and will win. So much work went into the design of those costumes. I think that deserves to be recognized. Best International Feature Film, I think easily goes to Drive My Car from Japan. And Best Visual Effects, I think again is going to be Dune, but Spider-Man No Way Home is nominated and it should win. But realistically speaking, I don't think Spider-Man No Way Home did anything completely different in that that should be recognized. Dune really looks like its entirely own world. So I will give it to him there, but I'm not happy about it. And then finally, best original song from King Richard, you have Be Alive by Beyonce. From Encanto, you have written by Lin-Manuel Miranda, Dos Orgullitas. From Belfast, you have Down to Joy by Van Morrison. From No Time to Die, you have, well, No Time to Die by Billie Eilish. And then from Four Good Days, you have Somehow You Do, performed by Reba McIntyre. I think the song that wins here is No Time to Die from Billie Eilish. 
I was really surprised in Encanto's decision not to put, we don't talk about Bruno up for this category. They thought it didn't represent the movie enough and they wanted to go with this song instead. I think if they would have submitted, we don't talk about Bruno, they easily would have won in this category. So with that said, out of all these songs, I think you have to give it to Billie Eilish, No Time to Die. But those are my predictions. I'm going to do a review of a Best Picture nominee, Power of the Dog, which is on Netflix. And I'll also give some snubs and surprises after this. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. i never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Uh, thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So... How'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Time now for a spoiler-free review of an Oscar-nominated movie for Best Picture this year. I want to talk about The Power of the Dog, which is available on Netflix, starring Benedict Cumberbatch and Kirsten Dunst. It's a movie about Benedict Cumberbatch's character, who is a rancher who is basically tormenting and mocking the son of Kirsten Dunst after she has married his brother and now they are living under the same roof. A very gripping and emotional tale based on a book from 1976. Before I get into my review, here's just a little bit of The Power of the Dog. A man was made by patience and the odds against him. For what kind of man would I be if I did not help my mother? Either! If I did not save her. So 
sort of a lonesome place out here, Pete. Unless you get in the swing of things. So the movie takes place in 1925 Montana. The two characters are Phil and George Burbank, and they are these rich ranchers. They have very rich parents, and they own this ranch, have a bunch of people working for them. And in the movie, Jesse Plemons plays one of the brothers who meets Kirsten Dunst's character. They fall in love, they get married, and then Kirsten Dunst and her son come to live at the family home where he lives with his brother, who is Benedict Cumberbatch, who basically doesn't like Kirsten Dunst's son, ridicules him, torments him, is just a complete jerk. He has this very like egotistical, old-school rancher mentality. He is horrible to him. He is horrible to her. He makes fun of him for basically being a wimpy kid and not what you should be in 1925 Montana. Like He should... He wants everybody to be a rancher like him and as hardcore as him. So here's what I'll say about this movie. I think I was in the right place, in the right mind frame, at the right time when I watched this movie. Because it is a very slow burn. And I'll admit, this movie almost feels like homework when you watch it. It kind of feels like back in the day, like in social studies class or history class, when the teacher would bring in a movie and tell everybody they needed to watch and pay attention and take notes. And there would be a quiz afterward about this movie. Maybe because you read the book to go along with it. But it felt like that type of movie. And in the first 10 minutes of it, I didn't think I was going to get through it. It was a little bit boring, so slow. They talked weird. And I don't really like movies set in the early 1900s. There was nothing about this movie with it being a Western that screamed, I should watch this movie. But... I watch every single Oscar-nominated movie, so I was like, all right, I'll get it, check it off the list. If I hate it, I hate it, that's fine. I let those first 10 minutes go by, and in the next 20 minutes, I found myself completely dialed in. And everything about this movie is so subtle, and you have to pay attention to everything, because sometimes things happen, and you don't realize that that was a major plot point in the movie. So, that's why I say I don't really recommend this movie, even though after it was done, I loved it. And I got up and I was like, man, that was a really good movie. I did have to go back and rewatch some parts because I felt like I missed some things. And at the very end of it, I was kind of left with like a, what did I just watch type of thing? Like, I didn't really get that last scene. I went back and actually watched the last 20 minutes again. And was like, oh, I get it now. Even had to take it a step further and go and see some of the director's interviews where they kind of clarify some things. So you have to work for this movie. But... It's a really good movie because I love movies like this. And while I think it will win for best picture, because it takes a story that otherwise you would have no idea about and have no idea that you would be interested in this. And it's just so much of a psychological drama, which I really wasn't familiar with before going into this, that I found myself really enjoying it. I thought the cast was fantastic. I was talking earlier about the cinematography in this movie because it really makes you feel like you're in the 1920s ranch. The wide shots are so elaborate and beautiful and it's colored so perfectly to where visually just very appealing to me. It's very comforting to me when it comes to seeing like nature like this. I don't know. I just watched it and really enjoyed that aspect of it. But I think at the end of the day, it's Benedict Cumberbatch's performance in this. His character 
you really hate him, but he does such a good job at playing somebody that you want to hate in a movie that made it so entertaining. And Kirsten Dunst as well, to see her take a role that requires some really great acting and also hearing her say Peter's name in this movie, which is the name of her son. It gave me flashbacks to watching Spider-Man. So I love that aspect of it too. But I think it's a really beautiful film. It's a very novel film. And out of all the best picture nominees, it's the one that I wasn't expecting to like so much. The last time I felt this way was when I watched Parasite, which also ended up winning for best picture. Didn't expect to like a movie with subtitles, ended up loving it. In this case, I didn't expect to watch a Western like this and end up loving it, but I did. For that reason, I think it will win Best Picture. But I can't entirely recommend this movie because I think you'll either go into it and think, what in the world did Mike like about this movie? How did he find this entertaining? This movie is so boring. It's like watching paint dry. I really think those are two scopes of this movie. You're either going to love it, everything about it, and think it was great, or you're going to think it was a terrible waste of your time. Given that, based your decision on whether or not to watch this movie, I would say even just give it 10, 15 minutes. If you don't like it, you're probably not going to want to watch the rest of the movie. But personally, I would give it four out of five horses. I can see while it's so critically acclaimed and why it's leading in nominations this year. With 12 nominations, it being the most nominated movie, I can see why. So that's The Power of the Dog. I did want to talk about some Oscar snubs. I saw a lot of people sticking up for Lady Gaga, for really House of Gucci in general, even Jared Leto. But I almost felt like House of Gucci was a little bit of Oscar bait. Not saying that some of the movies that ended up getting nominated weren't Oscar bait, but I wasn't too surprised that it wasn't nominated. Another snub, I kind of thought Leonardo DiCaprio would get a nomination for Don't Look Up. Like His performance, aside from that movie getting nominated for Best Picture, is what I thought would have went down because it was a different side of Leonardo DiCaprio. But maybe people didn't really get his like satirical approach to that character. So in that aspect, maybe wasn't worth an Oscar nomination. Another thing I thought was snubbed was Sing 2 for animated movies. You also have Jennifer Hudson, who played Aretha Franklin in the biopic Respect, didn't get a nomination. I was honestly surprised to see how many nominations that Being the Ricardos did get and thought it was a little bit of snub that Aaron Sorkin didn't get one for Best Original Screenplay. But I think what the major snub was for the Oscars this year, there was some hype building around it. Tom Holland was saying he would love to be nominated for an Oscar. Spider-Man No Way Home. Like, I truly believe if you're going to nominate a movie like Don't Look Up, why not nominate Spider-Man No Way Home? I feel like even if you don't nominate Tom Holland for Best Actor or Willem Dafoe for Best Supporting Actor, what that movie did for film and how important that movie will be historically, I think it'll eclipse every other movie on this list. People will be talking about Spider-Man No Way Home for far longer than any other movie I've mentioned here. And I'm being honest here. And that's not just me saying that because I'm such a big Spider-Man fan because that was my favorite movie last year. I think when you think about what you nominate for Oscars, you have to think how important movies are to film in general. And I'm kind of tired of seeing superhero movies not being taken seriously in that respect of how really much these movies affect our lives and how much they are a part of us. 
that's why I was so excited when Black Panther was nominated. I feel like it should have won. But if Black Panther can be nominated, why not Spider-Man No Way Home? But I'll get off my rant here. The Oscars are coming up on March 27th at 7 p.m. Central on ABC. I will be watching and live tweeting as we watch those together. And then I'll have my normal episode the Monday following the Oscars. And then also do a special bonus episode breaking down all the winners. See if I was right or not. You should definitely make a list too. And I'll definitely put some polls up of who you think will win for Best Picture. Make sure you're following me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Distro or like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Mike Distro. If you forget any of those, they are always in the episode notes of every single episode. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Time now for the part of the podcast where I break down a movie trailer of a film coming to you very soon in theaters or streaming online in a segment we call It's time to head down to Movie Mike's Trailer Park. Today I want to talk about a new Netflix movie coming to you very soon called The Adam Project. It stars Ryan Reynolds. It is about His character, who is a time-traveling pilot, and he teams up with his younger self and his late father to come to terms with his past while saving the future 
pretty good premise. I also see Ryan Reynolds here being a little bit different than his normal character. Before we get into why I'm excited about this movie, here's just a little bit of the trailer. Take it easy. Ah! Or, you know, fall down and scream. You knew how to get in my dad's garage. You knew how to close the fridge. We have the same scar. Right here. And you're wearing my dad's watch. This watch? It's for me. That's classified. But yes, I once was. Where are you going? So what you hear in that trailer is Ryan Reynolds meeting his younger self for the first time. And I have to say, I think this is the movie I would want to be a kid and experience. This is the kind of movie like I wanted to go to the movie theaters as a kid to watch. And you have a great cast here with Mark Ruffalo, Jennifer Gardner teaming up again. It kind of feels like a 13 going on 30 reunion. But what I'm most excited about is Ryan Reynolds being a different character here, not being who he was in Free Guy, Deadpool, every other Ryan Reynolds movie as of late. I feel like he has a little bit more of an action edge to him. You know, he had that a little bit in Red Notice, but it was very much Ryan Reynolds kind of being this action star. I feel like this is the evolution he needs to go on. He needs to take roles to where, yes, it is a little bit more lighthearted. Maybe he has a little bit of freedom to be a little bit of his comedic self. But I think where he would have a really great place to operate is in this movie, a sci-fi kind of action movie, maybe taking things not so much seriously, but just not being his normal, wacky, zany, comedic self. I think he has some range there that he's been comfortable in movies that he's taken on. And I know he's going to take a little bit of a break of acting, but I'm excited to see him in a movie like this. This movie is coming out on March 11th on Netflix. I did mention his movie Free Guy and Disney did announce that that's coming to Disney Plus very soon on February 23rd. And I just kind of wonder when it comes to movies like this, if these are the movies that kids are watching right now and are going to be the ones that will stay with them for the rest of their life. Like a lot of like movies that came out in the 90s are those for me, early 2000s are movies that I just keep watching now as an adult because they remind me of when I was a kid. I wonder if now it's movies like Free Guy, Encanto, Soul, Sonic the Hedgehog, or maybe a movie now like The Adam Project that is really shaping what young kids are going to remember and feel nostalgic about maybe 20 years from now. That's just where my brain goes for a big movie like this. Also in the trailer park, I wanted to talk about Lightyear, which now released the very first full trailer. I talked about it before when they released the little teaser of Lightyear, which is the origin story of the action figure Buzz Lightyear. And it's about the real life person that inspired the toy. So that's why it's not voiced by Tim Allen. It's voiced by Chris Evans. It's the movie that Andy from Toy Story would have watched to made him want to buy the toy. And this trailer kind of has me feeling a whole different way going into it. And here's just a little bit of that. Hello, Buzz. Whoa. I am Socks, your personal companion robot. We're being pursued by a just a massive robot. That was utterly terrifying, and I regret having joined you. Buzz. 
So this movie is coming out on June 17th in theaters. And after watching this trailer, like you really have to go watch this trailer. I feel when they said it was going to be a love letter to science fiction, very much draw from Star Wars movies. I didn't really get that until I saw this trailer. It almost doesn't feel like a Pixar movie at all. And the only way I can really tell it's a Pixar movie is by the character design. It looks like, you know, what you go to expect at a Pixar movie. But with everything else, it feels like a Star Wars. <clears throat> because the way I know it's a Pixar movie is the character design themselves. They look very Pixar. But all the other elements look like a straight up Star Wars sci-fi movie from the spaceships Emperor Zurg in the movie and the action style, even the music in this, it feels more like a sci-fi movie and I totally get it now how they're really trying to differentiate itself and not really have any kind of connection to Toy Story. Take away that entire playful, colorful, bright feel that you get going into watching a Toy Story movie and really just focus on the action here. And making it feel so unique. It almost just doesn't even have a vibe of a Disney movie at all. But again, that comes out on June 17th. And I can't wait to watch it. And that was this week's edition of Movie Minds Trailer Park. That's going to do it for another week. But before I hop out of here, every single week, I give a shout out to one of you who sends me a tweet, DMs me on Instagram, tags me in your Instagram story, or sends me an email. MovieMikeD at gmail.com is that address. Actually hopping over into the email today, and this email is from Cher, who actually inspired why I decided to include The Power of the Dog review in this movie, because she sent me in her thoughts on the movie, said she didn't really like it, and only gave it a 1.5 out of 5 ranches, and that was very much based on the last 30 minutes of the movie, and Cher also asked me about some key plot points in the movie which I thought was interesting. And if you have any thoughts or ideas on movies or questions that you had while watching something, you can always email me because I won't give a spoiler review in my normal episodes. Sometimes I'll do some bonus episodes when I get into spoilers, but I want everybody to be able to listen to these episodes and then go decide whether or not you want to see these movies or if you've already seen them, see what I thought about that same movie. But I don't want to ruin anything for anybody. And with Cher, I got into some of the plot points and what I thought some of the things meant in the movie, and we got into talking about the ending. So while I don't think the power of the dog warrants a spoiler review version, but I was happy to do that on email. So if that's ever an option you want to take, you can always send me an email. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the episode this week. It was a longer one, had a lot of things to get through. So if you made it to the end of the podcast, I greatly appreciate it. Special shout out to the Monday movie crew. That's everybody who listens on release day when these episodes drop on Monday. Hope you have a great rest of your week. And until next time, go out and watch good movies. Later. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.